Hey everyone, it's that time again. That's right, it's that time for you to listen in to the to our podcast. You know, that's the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Trent and I'm here with Alan and uh, we're excited to get to spend a little bit of time, whether you're in the car, heading to work, at home, maybe doing some jogging or whatever. We want to benefit you and to encourage you today. So Alan, what are we gonna talk about as we're encouraging our friends? I'm just trying to think about how hard it would be to listen to us while we were jogging. Thinking about what I listen to on my jogs and thinking, man, yeah. I might run off the road if I if I was listening to this. But anyway, all right. <laughs> Obviously, I don't listen to our own podcast while I'm jogging. I guess, <laughs> I guess we should move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Listen to us while you're jogging. Hey. All right. uh, well, today, Trent, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about times when it's time to consider a restructure um, in your church. You and I have each been through a time of restructuring, and there are certain things you need to know about restructuring, things you need to think about when you're restructuring your church. And of course, we're both in new roles, and those are going through some restructuring too. So, structure, structure, structure—it's it's on our mind a lot. Yeah, that's the right. The, and the thing that we deal with all the time is change. Um, and probably you and your church, if you're listening to this and you're in a leadership role or or um, maybe you're just a, as a, a layperson, you recognize that over the last two years, everything's been about change. And so uh, we want to give you some things to consider as you're going through change that you need to make sure and um, change alongside of the things that you want to aim at. So, so Alan, as we think about that, what are some of the things that we need to, to aim at to make sure that we change? Well, you know, when we think about structure, a, a lot of churches, a lot of churches don't realize that they have a huge problem, that they are technically out of compliance with federal law by not operating under their constitution and bylaws because they're so outdated they never thought about editing them or they don't pay attention to them. And, you know, if you ever get dragged into court um, and you they find out you weren't following those, you, you, you could be in jeopardy of losing your your 501c3, uh, all kinds of things. And plus, you're going to be um, running to some some issues. And so when you're thinking about it's time to restructure, you know, you need to be thinking about your constitution, your bylaws and your policies and procedures. And I've separated out constitution and bylaws, and we're going to explain that um, over the course of today. But I think that's important for us to recognize that a constitution is separate from the bylaws, um, at least from a technical standpoint. You're right. And, you know, it, when you're saying all these things about constitution bylaws, I think a lot of people view these things like the old guy talking about marriage. You know, he said he told his wife that he loved her when he got married, and if anything changed, he'd get back to her. But, you know, and so this is this is true of Constitution bylaws. Most people, they do those and then they never revisit them again. They never go back and, and check and see. And you're right. They don't follow those things. And if somebody really wanted to, could take you for all your worth in the church. So. <clears throat> so let's talk about the Constitution, first of all, that, um, and and. Alan did a great job of putting our notes together today. And so it talks about the, the Constitution. It's, it's a, the broad uh, article that covers the governing values and principles of your church. And so, Alan, kind of break that down a little bit more for us. Yeah, your Constitution, 
it really is is a pretty short document. It's probably not shouldn't really be more than a couple of pages um, at the most typically. But that overarching thought of your constitution is this is the who we are. And this is what determines the who we are. And if you if you think about it, think of your constitution as it, it relates to the person. So when I walk into a room or, or whatever and so someone says, hey, there's Alan, they know that's me because that's that's who I am. And your constitutions, it, it's it's the who you are. And, you know, as God's God's church, what what identifies us, what makes us who we are and, and what we are. And so I kind of that's how I kind of think of the Constitution. So, yeah, you know, just to, like you said, the overarching, give you, you know, a picture, a general, generalized picture of who your church is. And so we've done a podcast on, you know, maybe a church has been rebranded. Well, that probably needs to be in your, in your constitution. Um, if a church has been replanted, that needs to make a major change to your constitution as well. So not only it relates to the who of all this. And so, yeah, you, you don't have to change this um, a whole lot, but, you know, as we're talking about changes in your structure, uh, those things do need to be taken into account. Yeah, you mentioned your, the joke about, about the guy who'd been mar married. So I told you I loved you a long time ago. Why should I have to change that? Well, that's right. Yeah, you know, you're not going to make changes with this often. I mean, this is something that, that really shouldn't have to be changed an awful lot. But there are those times, you know, like there are times your identity changes um, over the course of your married life. And maybe you become uh, married or, you, or when you get married or when you become a parent. Um, it could be when you experience a tragedy, even those kind of re-identify who you are. And for a church, some of those moments, you mentioned some of them, but it could be a time of scandal. If your church has been through time of scandal, um, it may be time to revisit some of those things. Or if your church has been in conflict for years, and sadly, there are many churches out there that have been in conflict and they've lost their identity. Um, you mentioned some of the other ones, whether it's a merger or coming together churches in some way. A season of explosive growth, too. Some good things can cause a, a, um, an identity shift or an identity change for a church. And so this is really broad when you think about your constitution. So think of it as the umbrella of all of that or the person that you, that you see. The next part, Trent, is the bylaws. Now, they're a little bit more specific governing properties that arise in the constitution. And so they begin to speak more of the governance of the church. How are you going to govern? How are you going to govern yourselves? And so what's that overarching thought, Trent? Well, and you mentioned it, it, you know, before we were talking about the who, and now we move to the how. How do things happen? Um, we're supposed to do things in an orderly way. We don't want to be um, leading people in confusion. And so you've got to do the how, you know, how are things supposed to happen in your church? Um, and so you, you've got it in our notes here that it relates to a skeletal system. It's, you know, it's the bones that kind of keep everything together. <laughs> One of my favorite Farside cartoons, I got to throw this in, is the boneless chicken ranch, you know. So, <laughs> look that up. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's the bones of your church that, you know, how, how are things supposed to function? You know, committees and, and um, you know, what what's supposed to happen and who does the things that need to be done 
Yeah, these are the things that need to be outlined within within your church within your church process, the, the governance side of things. And so you're thinking more along along how does the church maintain order? You know, we mentioned the skeletal system. We all know that the head bone's connected to the neck bone. <laughs> you know, singing the song, everything needs to be in the right in, in the right place. And we need to consider that. But every now and then those those need to be reviewed and they need to be updated or changed or revised. Um, every few years, and that's because laws can change. Um, mm -hmm. You know, laws are different than than what they used to be. I know. Um, think about where we. I just came from. I came from the state of Colorado. Well, when Colorado legalized marijuana, you know, no church had a policy in there. What are you going to do if a church members using um, marijuana recreationally? Um, because that would have been an, a non-issue. That was an illegal activity. Well, when it becomes a legal activity in the in the law what are you going to do as a church regarding that and so sometimes laws change and cause a need for you to maybe update or revise um something in in your own policies um has culture shifted you know trent how, how many business meetings uh did you go to in your first church oh more than i wanted <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and you know, you have to have those. You have to have those. I'm, I'm really not a big fan of meetings, but you do have to have them, and you have to have business meetings for your church. But as culture shifted, we do fewer of them now in most churches mm -hmm. and in most settings, don't we? You know, that's true. Some churches used to have a business meeting once a week. Mm, you know, wow. and then they became once a month, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and many churches it's uh if you dare come we're gonna have one a year somewhere hidden away <laughs> in, the, in the back corner of the building but that's right you're, and that's a cultural shift um you know mm -hmm. people really don't want to run the church that way um, right. has leadership changed sometimes when the leader changes you need to you need to change your bylaws um in concordance with 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 the leadership side what about structure you know trent you you went through this um recently um in your last mm -hmm. church with with a change in structure. Yeah, we there was a couple of things as you mentioned that. Um, one of them was we changed um, from, a, I guess, a deacon-led body to a leadership team-led body, and so that was a change of, of leadership structure. But we also had a we had built a new building. Um, we built a youth center, and that caused us to redo our bylaws because um, we. All of a sudden, we had a lot of people that wanted to use this building, and we had to come up with, okay, how does this happen? You know, can other people outside the church use your building, and how to, if they do, how does it happen? And so you had to have some structure to all that. They had to know who to talk to and things like that. So there's all kinds of things like that that can affect your bylaws. Yeah, you know, I mentioned kind of that idea of, so you have to ask yourself too, was there something that's not addressed that should be addressed? You know, um, you know, do you have a good, uh, do you have a way of, of dealing with issues that could arise that are serious and have legal ramifications if necessary? Um, and a, a great example of that is, is if you have a policy on, on marriage in your church, but that's not spelled out and you allow you know, non-church members to do weddings in your church and you don't have a policy that says what kind of weddings you allow, you actually can find yourself on the wrong end of a lawsuit 
um, because it's not spelled out in your policies and you've set a precedent. And so you want to be careful, make sure that you're addressing things that need to be addressed. And that brings us to that last point on your bylaws and what's so important about them. Are you following those bylaws, which is technically a legal requirement? That's why it's so, so important to update them. Because if they're not worth if they're not worth following, then change them. But yeah. make sure you can follow them. Well, yeah, and it it's really hypocritical too if we're expecting someone maybe coming in that's not a part of the church to follow these rules and procedures and bylaws, but then nobody in the church itself follows them. Um, you're setting yourself up for a whole lot of problems. And so not only do you need to follow them, but in order for that to happen, your people in your church need to actually know what they are. I think that's a big problem in a lot of churches. Most people have no clue. Uh, when somebody joined our church in Oklahoma, we would we'd give them a copy of the Constitution bylaws stuff so they would know, you know, hey, this is the way our church functions. And I'm sure they read it the first night they got them. <laughs> yeah, it's just like NyQuil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have to have them, and we do have to make them yeah. available to people, and you're That's absolutely right. right on that. Well, the third area, Trent, is the, is the policies and procedures. Now, we said that bylaws are the how, and you could almost say that policies and procedures are the further along of the how. But really, I think what they do is they say what is important to us. Mm -hmm. I think your policies and procedures, you know, identify what is important to you. So you can have policies in place that, that handcuff people, or you can have policies in place that free people to do the work of ministry, but you also have policies in place to protect people and, and all those. So it's what's important to us. And they cover the ever-changing details of church operations. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I think a lot of churches put things into their bylaws that could be handled in a policy and procedure handbook, which policies become to the, are the most easily changed part. And, you know, if the, 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 if the uh, bylaws relate to the skeletal system, the policies then kind of relate to another part of the body. What's that, Trent? Well, and you know, you got to fill out the body, right? So your skin and organs, the, you know, what makes the body keep going? And this is, you know, on a daily, weekly basis. That's what your policies and procedures will, will kind of flesh out for you. Um, and so you need those too. It breaks it down a little bit more than just, you know, you've got your big umbrella of your constitution um, and then, you know, your handle of the, of the bylaws, and, but then you've got, you know, the, the workings, the everyday workings of your church more in the policies and procedures. So, you know, Trent, when we think about that, you know, how, how often should you go in for a, for a physical? You know, you should do that every year, right? Okay. That's where, that's, you want to check. Yeah. that's where you want to check out all those vital things like that. So, yeah, you know, so we should examine our policies and procedures on an ongoing annual basis. I mean, this should be a part that is updated and, and, and checked out um, quite often. And they should be maintained um, by church leaders. It should be affirmed, you know, they, they should protect people within the church. And then they also, that's what gives definition to, to the roles. You know, I've seen church constitutions that have the, the pastor's role spelled out in every 
single detail, which, you know, the job description of the pastor, you know, you can say we will have a pastor. That job description will be be maintained um, in a policy and procedure handbook. You know, I mean, it's a lot easier that way because then you can change the, the, you know, as times change or maybe the role of the pastor changes. If you have a bivocational pastor, maybe that's going to look a little bit differently than it looks with a full-time pastor. So it gives you a little more freedom to adapt and change as you need to. Right. And, you know, as you think about a policy or, or policy manual, you really need to break down your church into different areas and different ministries because um, I know that in our churches that when we were dealing with children that we needed to have some specifics that dealt specifically with children. How do you teach children? Um, what's the structure of Sunday school? You need to have those kinds of things. And, it's, and so all those need to be broken down further in your policies and procedures. I, you know, in order for us to make sure that we protected children, we did several things. You know, we made sure that we had two people that were working with a, with a group of kids instead of just one. Um, we did background checks. You know, that was one of the policies that we would have background checks every year on everyone who dealt with children and youth. And really we did with adults too. Anybody who dealt with anybody in our church should have had a background check. So uh, those are some specifics that you've got to keep in mind. Yeah, and all those things, are, I mean, all these things are, are hugely important. But when you think about restructuring, ask yourself, is this a policy and procedure issue? Is it a bylaw issue? Is it a constitution issue? And again, policies and procedures, you should have a way of changing those without a lot of, without a lot of pain, without a, a lot of moving parts. Uh, when you get into the bylaws, there's usually a guideline for how you have to do that. When you do a complete restructuring, if you're a congregational church, that's got to come before your whole body and get the approval of the entire body for sure. Sometimes you have ways of, of doing that, depending on how it's written in your constitution to deal with your bylaws. But um, it's important to, to look at all those things, update your bylaws, how you're governed, make sure that those are up to date and that there's something that you're willing to follow and that you're going to follow. Um, but make sure that you do some of those things. So we've got some things to remember. Trent, the first thing here is remember that organ and organizational structures are not forever. Mm -hmm. I think this is really important to keep in mind. And, you know, the, you, you're absolutely right in our notes that the Bible doesn't give us an exact structure for church. Um, there are some things that some principles there. But um, and it's true. I've, I've seen and I've talked to a lot of couples about this because they get down about, well, this is the, where we are, but they're going through a, a season of life. The same thing is true of churches. You go through different seasons where you're dealing with right now. We're dealing with a pandemic that we're trying to figure this all out. And so that will affect your, um, you know, your procedures for sure. And maybe your bylaws. Uh, but so you've got to keep in mind that this may not be the case. The structure that you're dealing with right now probably won't be the case in another two years. So it's not forever. We certainly hope it's not going to be. No, <laughs> it's like it's a, a gift that keeps on giving, doesn't it? Mm, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, the second thing, too, Trent, is don't overcomplicate your documents. You know, mm -hmm. you really do want to keep the documents as simple um, as as you can keep them, you know, 
I know a lot of people grow frustrated with churches that have too heavy of a bureaucracy. And I think we feel that way with a lot of structures out there. So make sure that your constitution should be just a page or two, your bylaws, a handful of pages, your policies and procedures. That's your thickest part, um, but it's also the most easily changed. So just remember, keep, keep it as simple as you can keep it. So, so that will help you have the flexibility you need to do what you need to do. That's right. Alan mentioned a term a little bit ago about handcuffing your, your folks, and, and none of these things should handcuff you in ministry, but they should open up pathways for people to feel secure about doing ministry. And so don't, don't put so much into it that you keep people from doing the ministry that your church is called to. So the next thing to remember, Trent, is use a team to evaluate. Don't just trust yourself. You ever you ever see pastors just do a constitution and bylaws on their own? Well, I tell you what, yeah, there are some that I've read that I thought, man, just one person did this. They didn't put a lot of thought, and they certainly didn't have somebody spell check it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're right. And, and you know, we, we had a leadership team that went through our stuff. We had some major changes I mentioned before. And so we had a, a team, the entire team, that went through – everything. Uh, we had one one person on our team that was very gifted at administration, and they kind of put the, the overarching stuff together, but then everybody on the team went through it, made suggestions, um, asked questions, and you need to be able to do that. In a congregational run church, uh, you're eventually going to have to bring those things, especially the bylaws and constitution, before the church as a whole. And um, I'm a big believer in having the meeting before the meeting, um, you always have to have the meeting before the meeting, and that means you, you go through it with some people that will ask you questions so that you're prepared when you take it before the church, and you can answer those questions then. Yeah, you know, Trent, when we did that um, at my last church to redo the Constitution, and I'm, now that I'm gone, I'm sure they're going to go back and, and look at that. I wouldn't be surprised, but um, um, I think one of the things that we did is I, I was kind of on the team, but I wasn't. A voting member of the team so people couldn't accuse me of trying to uh, kind of stack the deck so i was just there i could offer input offer guidance but at the end of the, the day i didn't even have a vote on that but i would say i got to have a lot of input in it um, because people wanted my input they wanted to hear what i had to say and i'd put together all the information and all the things that we we looked at so it was a huge huge part of me but i think it's important to get get many eyes on it and and to do that and then that last one remember that you're legally responsible to follow your constitution and bylaws we, we've kind of said that a few times i think i've probably been lax about that in, in my in my previous experiences and um i think that's something that you know in hindsight if i could go back and, and look at that i think i would do a better job of paying attention to those to those things because it, it is important and it's there to protect us and give direction to us. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and this brings up another point. This is why it's really important as you're putting people on teams, on ministry teams, that you don't just have a whole bunch of people like me that, you know, fly by the seat of our pants. Um, you need those people that are detail oriented. You need those accountants and those, um, guys that deal with details and they're really good at it. 
And if you're those leaders, I had to train myself not to take it personal when they questioned the things that I came up with, because they're just doing due diligence and they're, they're, God made them that way to, to pick the details and make sure it's right. Yeah, I, I was talking with a, a, one of my pastor friends and my association today, and he was talking about how he sees the world in spreadsheets. I, I don't even comprehend that. That, that, that doesn't even make sense to me. Uh, and I'm so grateful for him, and I'm grateful for someone who can see the world that way um, because he gives organization to something that otherwise would not be organized. And you bring a group of people around. You know, I can tell you what the finished product should look like, but there are people who can give better guidance on the details on getting to that final destination. And, and that's how God's kingdom works. That's why we all have different gifts and different skills and different abilities so that we can all be used in, in different ways. And that's the goodness of God. And really what we're, what we're saying with your constitution and bylaws, they're a per, they become the person, right? This is what mm -hmm. makes up that person of who you are. And what does the Bible say the church is? It, it's, it's a body, body it's an organism. That's right. And so to me, this is, the, this is just the, the structural side of that organism that is out doing God's work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Ephesians, I think it's five or so, that kind of gives us that picture of that body. We, we need to be able to, to do that, to live it out and put some feet to it. But we, again, we don't want to handcuff our folks where they can't do ministry, but we want to give them all the protection that they need go do ministry and to keep our church strong and healthy too. So Alan, uh, man, I think this is a great topic. I'm glad we talked about it. Um, we want to be able to come alongside you all as you listen to this. Um, and we want to help you with some of those details, things that we've learned and uh, we want to pass on to you. And so Alan, how can they get in touch with us if they need somebody to help them as they walk through details like this? Yeah, so they can reach out to us. They can uh, message us on our Facebook page at Enduring Churches. They can go to our website at EnduringChurches.com or they can email us, Alan at EnduringChurches.Consulting, Trent at EnduringChurches.Consulting. And we'd love just to, um, to connect with you and, and talk with you. Um, you know, give us some of your, share some of your experiences going through your own restructuring process with your church. What, what did you learn from it? What would you do differently if you could go back um, in that process, or maybe you're a pastor who went to a church and you didn't know what those processes were when you went and they were a headache for you. So love to hear your stories, connect with us, um, um, help teach us so that we can do an even better job um, the next time we talk about church organization. Absolutely. We want to be a help to you. And that means that we've got to continually be learning. Alan and I recognize that we're supposed to be students of this as well. But we, anyway, we want to encourage you. We want to help you. We want to help you endure. And so we appreciate very much you taking time to listen today. And uh, please be in contact with us and know that we want to be on your side. So you endure. Uh, so on behalf of Trent, this is Alan and my dog Boomer, who you hear in the background every now and then. Um, we want to say thanks for, for joining us, and we look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Enduring Churches podcast.